Oh, well, for those of you who suspected we had issues, <laughs> now it's all been confirmed. Right. I think some people have had a bit of a long day. <laughs> and just pray for me as I pray for you. Hallelujah. Wow. <laughs> right, I'm not. Are you, are you, have you done or what? Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, welcome to Heart Church. Yeah. So good to have you here. And um, yeah, it's uh, just been such a blessing. I do want to say, I want to say thank you to our incredible worship team who've been here for over 12 hours now serving us. I want to give a, a big thank you to our worship team who've done a phenomenal job. Absolutely amazing. And I want to say thank you to all the incredible amount of behind the scenes work that has gone, the detail in changing a church name, you know, Beth, Ben Cross with the website, Ryan, a guy with all the financial stuff. And just, I'd like us to give a big thank you, a big heart church thank you to all those people. Absolutely amazing. Really, really appreciated. And the fact that, you know, it's ended up on point is a tremendous blessing. And, uh, for some of you here, you won't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. But for those of you who do, uh, a couple of weeks back, I mentioned that I thought it would be really nice, really good, in fact, if uh, we as a church blessed another church. The first thing we did as uh, Heart Church was bless another church who's been serving the city. And uh, we wanted to do that. We wanted to uh, give a, a gift um, to uh, Trent Vineyard. And uh, that was what our From the Heart offering was going to be. And then we saw the escalation in the refugee crisis and just somehow things shifted and it became much more appropriate that our From the Heart, that our from the heart offering went to that, uh, as Lawrence has already explained. But I did promise you, uh, with the heart of what we were wanting to do, that we would find a way of blessing uh, Trent Vineyard. So from our vision offering that we brought, uh, earlier in the year, uh, we're going to uh, give a gift of two and a half thousand pounds on your behalf to just bless that church and say thank you for all they are doing. Uh, yeah, really great, really great. So I look forward to doing that. John and Debbie Wright are just beginning a brand new challenge in their life um, this week as they take on the national leadership of Vineyard Churches. So that's phenomenal. And what a joy to be able to do that in this season for them. So here we are as Heart Church, and uh, you know, we wanted to have a thread that went through the day. We understood the poignancy of a first message. We, 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 we acknowledged the poignancy of the last message of the Christian Center and the first message of Heart Church. And I was, you know, I always like to come and, and for what we say to be significant and, and on point. Uh, I always uh, look for that. And I just felt that. There were some things that needed to be said and there were some things that needed to be reset because there are some things just in the ongoing of, of becoming all that God wants us to be. We need to 
re-say them. And I was reflecting on the whole thing to, to do with the heart. Um, you know, in fact, you know, I was thinking, um, I've got this thing. I don't know whether anyone else has this thing, but sometimes when I get into bed, uh, when, I, when I lay on my back, I can hear my own heartbeat. And uh, that can be comforting and annoying. It's comforting because it means I am alive. Uh, but it's annoying because I'm trying to get to sleep and I have to move around so I can't hear my heartbeat so clearly. But the thing is, when the heart beats, there is a sound. There is, there is something. There is, that is the, the activity. The heart is hidden, but it affects everything. Uh, and, and, and I believe, you know, I, I don't know everything of what this means, but it seems to be gathering momentum. Those of you who were here and can cast your mind back to Vision Sunday, I talked about a sound that we're carrying, a sound, and uh, that language is, is still being used, and I do believe that that, that, that sound is going to gather momentum. That last song we sang is one of our songs. And it's part of our sound. It's part of what we are meant to release. I, I do believe that there is a sound of praise. There's an anointing on our praise that we're meant to release. Uh, and, and that things will shift in the heavenly realms as we do so. And the, 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 the heartbeat is part of the, the sound. What is our heartbeat? Do you realize that your heart actually starts be, uh, beating about 18 days after you were conceived your heart began to beat and will keep beating as God lends you breath. Isn't that incredible? 18 days into conception, there's your heart beating away. The heart is a muscle that sustains life by pumping blood around the body. But when the Bible speaks about the heart, it isn't actually just referring to that thing that is beating in your chest. It is refer, it's referring to the, the essence of who you are, the core of your being. That's what the ancients, the ancients weren't that up on their physiology, uh, and, and their understanding of heart was the center and core of our being. It's that place uh, from which everything flows. When the, the, when the Bible talks about being strengthened in our heart is talking about being strengthened in the core of our being, in our physical body, in our emotions. It's the source. No wonder the Bible encourages us to guard our heart because, because it is the source, because it is that which from which everything flows, it is important that that is kept right and pure because it will influence. It's not that we will try to influence. It actually will influence. It, it, it's something, you know, you, you can say all the right things, but somehow what you are is more powerful and, and louder than, than what you say. And therefore, we need to understand that. Uh, the proverb says in, uh, in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else. I mean, it's like you've got to make this a priority. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. Everything you do flows from it. Now, that's true, obviously, for us as individuals. But it's also true 
for us as community. There is, we have our individual heart, but then we also have our heart church heart. It's our community, corporate heartbeat, and that's what we need to God. Luke 6 verse 45 says that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, but an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, ultimately, my mouth is going to speak what my heart is full of. It can be no surprise to us that our heart is of paramount importance to God. Some of you may remember, recall the account of when Samuel came to see Jesse. Now, Jesse was the father of, of many sons, and Saul had been rejected as king. Saul was a, a man that, that the people had chosen to be king. And he'd not done a very good job of it for various reasons, and, uh, and God had rejected him. But now Samuel was coming to discover not the king that man had chosen, but the king that God had chosen. And when Samuel was working his way through Jesse's sons in 1 Samuel 16, says this, that when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now, why did he say that? Well, it's because Eliab looked the business. He was the pinup man. He looked, he'd got everything together. He was, he was the, 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 the one that the girls were swooning of. He was the one that the guys all wanted to be. He was Mr. Cool. He, got, he looked like he'd got everything together. And once again, Samuel, as the man, was going to make the same mistake that we'd made with Saul. Saul looked good. Saul stood head and shoulders above every out, everyone else. He was handsome. He looked like the rock star. But God was saying, hey, no. And in fact, it comes across in the next verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let me tell you, every one of you who are single and you are looking for the man of your dreams or you're looking for the woman of your dreams, I know that we live in a world that puts so much emphasis on the muscles and the biceps and, and, and the good looks and, the, and this and the, that. Let me tell you something, we would do well if we were raising a generation who looked beyond the outside and looked at the heart. Don't, don't just be looking about what, how good they're, oh, they're so handsome, they're so good looking. Let me tell you, handsome, beautiful, good looking, it all wears very thin when the issues of the heart are in the wrong place. Don't be, don't be looking at his biceps, looking, uh, look, is this someone who I can spend my life with? Is this someone who will raise my children as a good father? Is this, what, what, is, what is he laughing at? What is she laughing at? What are her spending priorities? What do they spend their money on? Don't be looking, don't, don't just be looking about how much time they look in the mirror, look at how much time they spend in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? These are the things 
that we need to be looking at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God wants us to look at the heart. I'm not saying, you know, yes, so now, you know, the thing is about young people that go to extremes and say, oh, well, you know, well, maybe, does that mean I'm not meant to be a child? No, you're, God, God, the, the, the thing about marriage is that it is so important. God, of course, wants you to be attracted. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter. Even God-ordained marriages are not easy. I'm going to say that again. Even God-ordained marriages are not easy. They, marriage is a thing that has to be worked out. All I'm saying is get your priorities right. After you've looked and discovered that he's fine or she's fine, look beyond that because it takes more than that stuff to build a marriage. Anyway, yeah, let's go. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's why we want to do things well. That's why we want to do things excellently. You see, you know, even in your own home, when you have got family round, things are different than when you have that special guest round. When you have that special guest round, you use, you use that cutlery set that you're not allowed to touch under ordinary circumstances, and you use the, the, uh, the plates and the dishes that you don't usually use, and you have to dust them off before you use them. That's how you know that you don't use them that often. And, 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 and that's because the... The, the occasion demands that we bring our best. Now, in a family environment, that kind of thing might not happen very often. But in church, at Heart Church, that's where we live. That's where we live every single week, because every single week we've got guests, special guests, honored guests, because everyone who crosses our threshold and who doesn't normally come here, they are our honored guests. They're a special guest. So we live in that place. That's why we're always on our best game. Why? Because we want to say, you're welcome. You're loved. We love the fact you're here. We, we want to let you know you're valued. You're special. We want, to, we want to put the effort in. That's why. So man looks at the outward appearance. That's why we, we put that effort in. But the Lord looks at the heart. What is the point of having all the latest equipment, all that stuff, all the stuff in place? Listen, I love it all, but there's no point of it if our heart's not in the right place. You know, it's, people need to come and they need to engage with our heart. You know, the, 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 the people might be impressed just one week. Just one week with lights and smoke and the media or whatever. They might just get impressed one week, but that's not going to keep them. That glue is not strong enough. We need something more than that. What is going to keep people? That may attract them, but it won't keep them. We need, we need what's going to keep them, and that's the heart. See, ultimately, God describes David as a man after his own heart. Now that says something. That's, that's, God is looking for those kind of people. See, to even engage with God, we've got to engage our heart. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, you can't be a follower of Jesus. You cannot be a follower of the Lord if you've if you haven't engaged your heart. 
Your heart has to have been engaged. And that is what will make the difference between us being saved, not being saved, being uh, in light or being in darkness. So there's a lot, as, as, we, as we look at heart church, there's a lot we could say obviously. But I want to just talk to you about three things tonight. That as a heart church, we will have a heart for God. We will have a heart for each other. And we'll have a heart for the world. We'll have a heart for God. We'll have a heart for each other. And we'll have a heart for the world. See, a heart for God. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind. I, I don't actually believe it's possible to do that without the help of the Spirit of God. But, but God wants us fully engaged. He doesn't want us just turning up and being bodily present, but absent in every other way. He is looking for people who are fully engaged. You know, I, I believe that God just, God was looking for that in David's time and God is looking for that now. He's not looking for people who are just going through the motions. He's looking for people whose hearts I've engaged. Galatians 4 verse 6 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father, that means Daddy. He sent that spirit into our hearts that cries out Daddy because that relationship has to be in place before we can do anything else. We need to position ourselves as sons. Because when we position ourselves as a son, or if you like or can cope with the language better as a daughter, then, then we don't have to strive. King David positioned himself as a son. And I haven't got time to go into it now, but if you actually go and look at the life of King David, I mean, he knew how to mess up. He messed up, and he messed up big time. And yet, God was able to somehow adjust around that because of his heart, because of his intentions. The, important is the, 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 the importance of the heart in regard to God cannot be overestimated. You see, that our heart is the litmus test. How many of you know we can do all the right things, say all the right things, but if our heart is in the wrong place, it's not ultimately going to serve us well? Lawrence spoke just last week about our resting heartbeat. Now, our resting heartbeat in regards to our physicality would be somewhere between 60 and 100 uh, beats. That would be our normal resting heartbeat for, in that range for some of us. And, uh, uh, but I'm not just talking about our physical, physical being, I'm talking about our spiritual being. What is our resting heartbeat as a community? If I wanted, if I wanted to ascertain your health, I would check your resting heartbeat. And I believe that is true spiritually, that our resting heartbeat must beat in sync with Jesus. It must be synchronized with Jesus' heartbeat. Acts 13 verse 22, saying that after removing Saul, he made David their king, and God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do 
everything I want him to do. See, our resting heartbeat as a community must be that we have emotives and attitudes that please God and that we move in obedience. God loved David because he had the right heart and the right attitude and he was obedient. He did what he was asked to do. May we be the kind of community where we do what God asks us to do. Now, in order to, be, to, be, uh, to operate with obedience, there's got to be trust. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love the fact that trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding come together because if I'm not leaning on my own understanding, then I've got to trust. In fact, I'm only really trusting if I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm in a set of circumstances that I can't locate the exit. I, I can't work out what's going on. My, my, my points of reference are, are not working for me. And, you know, it's, it can be a real difficult challenge when trust is broken. It's a very painful, difficult journey when trust is broken. Some of you have had your trust broken with people. And it's a difficult and painful journey back to trust. But it is possible. If you can, with God's help, embrace the pain and the difficulty, there is a, a possible journey back to trust. That's true with people. But I want to just emphasize something for a moment in regard to God. Because I think that there are some people who God has sent me to speak to today who have been battling with trust issues with God because they are carrying things where in their heart where they stepped out maybe and things didn't work out how they thought and they were believing for this and they were believing for that and they were believing for breakthrough there and they were believing for provision there and it just didn't work out and they have managed to uh, um, uh, work around that and they come to church and they sing the songs and they even pray their prayers but, but their trust is damaged and they would find it difficult to step out Again, because they've still got this stuff going on. I want to say I understand that. I understand what that's like. I understand what it is to be working through stuff and to be feeling your way along in the dark and, and not really seeing clearly and, and uh, God not even feeling it necessary to be close. Not even feeling it necessary. You know, you can think back at times when you can look at your Bible and things are leaping off the page and it's all coming alive and it's all exciting and, and, you, and you're praying and, and you feel like God is hearing your prayers and that, yet you can be in that dark, dark place where the Bible, you might as well be looking at a bit of plastic and, and, and God feels a long way away and, and your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and you're saying, God, where are you? And that's when you've got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I remember standing in the shower in Cape Town and I said to God, uh, just as I was talking to him and not even knowing if he was listening, I said, I wouldn't treat my son like this. 
I felt he was so distant. I felt he was so cold. I felt he didn't care. But notice the word that I'm using there. I felt, I felt, I felt. You see, your feelings will not always tell you the truth. Those feelings were not reliable in those circumstances. The, the feelings were not the thing I should be leaning on. My understanding was not what I should be leaning on. I needed to lean on the Lord. I needed to trust in Him. I needed to trust in what I know. And what I know is that God is faithful. What I know is that He'll never leave me and He'll never forsake me. And that is not dependent upon the way that I feel. That is just dependent on what I know about Him. I know that God is faithful because He cannot be anything else but faithful. Even if I'm not faithful, He will be faithful because He cannot and will not deny Himself. And it's amazing to me because I stand here as a survivor, not only of that set of circumstances, but many before and many since. To say, if you hold on to what you know, God will bring you through. I don't know if you're battling tonight. Maybe, maybe you're, you're going through the motions. Maybe you're feeling that God is a million miles away and, 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 and a, heart, a, a heart that once burned with a love for God has grown cold with the passing of time. And I've come to say that in a moment of time, everything can change, everything can shift. And the very things that were moving you away from God in a moment can be flipped around and you are moving away, but now you're moving back to God because God has a plan to make you aware that, that your life is not dependent upon your circumstances. Your life is not dependent upon your feelings or your assessments. Your life is dependent upon Him, His love for you, His commitment to you, the plan He has got for you. Hold on because you're going to come through. A heart for God, a heart for each other. This has got to work for all the clumsiness. The local church is God's plan to reach the world. It is His chosen model of reaching the world, of, ex of bringing Jesus to the world. It is important how we respond with one another. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. In other words, another way of putting it is, as water reflects the face, so others reflect your heart back to you. So others reflect your heart back to you. The actions of others are a reflection of your heart back to you. That's, that's immensely challenging. Wow. It might mean if I'm not getting back what I like, if I'm finding that I'm not getting what I want, then maybe I need to not just look at them, I need to look at me. I need to look at what I'm putting out there because what is in my heart will be reflected back to me. Put another way, a man, do not be deceived, a man, a woman will reap what they have sown. If I'm sowing the good stuff, I'm gonna get the good stuff back. I will reap what I've sown. But we need to understand, especially in building community, 
instead, especially in building relationships, that, that I do not always reap in the same field that I have sown. I may sow in that field, but I will reap in another. I didn't sow in that field, but God will make sure I reap there because I sowed there. Let me put it another way to make it clear for you that you see, my, 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 my nature, my fleshly nature will say that if I am sowing into Andy's life, if I'm pouring myself into him, if I'm giving him attention, if I'm sacrificing, if I'm, if I'm giving everything that I can to him, my flesh will say, well, because I'm doing that for him, that is the place that I'm going to reap. That is the place where I'm going to be blessed. Why? Because he should be grateful. Why? Because he should acknowledge what I've done for him. That, that is my human nature. But the truth is that, yes, it's right for me to sow here, but the responsibility for my harvest is not mine. The responsibility for my harvest is my Father in heaven. That means because he is responsible, sure, I may reap here. I may but the chances are I'm not going to reap here. I'm going to reap here. James is going to be the source of my harvest. But, but I haven't sown into James like I've sown into Andy. But the blessing is dependent upon God. And my problem is that if I'm thinking that, no, no, that's the place I should get blessed because that's the place I've sown, I'm going to miss what God is trying to do. I've got to trust him. I might sow there, and I'm going to reap there. The key thing is not where I reap, but I reap. And God will make sure that I reap, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He is the source of my blessing. We speak of family. The issue with family is that it's such an emotive word that we've all got our own personal references to what family is. Some of them may be good, some of them not so good, but we've all got our understanding of what family is. Maybe your idea of a good time as a family is that everyone gets together and the music's playing and the food's great and, and you just party, party, party. And then someone else's idea of a great time as family is, you know what, we don't need to do all that. We just need to chill together. You know, we just want to sit by the fire. We just be in, in one another's presence. We might read, you know. We're, we're, that's, that's, then I know that's home. Then I know that's family. You've got those kind of extremes. But what are we called to? To be our church family, we can't just be a mishmash of everyone's individual ideas and concepts of what family is. So we've got to define what our heart church family looks like. When we talk about family as heart church, what does that mean? Well, family should be a place of unconditional love. It's not a place, it's a place where I, can, I know I'm loved. It's a place where I know that I'm accepted. Family should be a secure enough environment that provides discipleship and, and nurture where we can help one another become what God intended for our lives. It's a place where I can come as I am, but not stay as I am. Come just as you are, 
come just as you are. Sure. But the gospel is about transformation. It's about the fact that the work of the Spirit in my life, that spirit of sonship in my heart means I will change. There will be fruit. I, I won't just say yes to Jesus and everything will stay the same. When I say yes to Him, my world is transformed from the inside out. There will be fruit. It's a place of fun and freedom. Lord, help us to be a place where we can have fun. Where we're not just so stiff and starchy and, you know, so transfixed on just doing things perfectly. Sure, listen, you've got to have godly boundaries. In fact, the only way you truly have fun and freedom is with having godly boundaries in place. But life is way too serious to not have fun. It's a heart. We want to have a heart of inclusion, not exclusion. But not at any cost. We're not just going to throw our arms wide open to everybody we want to help and we want to give everyone an opportunity, but some people will exclude themselves by their behavior. And we have to understand that. Because the privilege of being part of family means that there is also responsibilities of being part of family. If I have the privilege of being part of a family, I've got to carry responsibilities. That means that being part of a family means I can't just live exactly as I want without considering those around me. Being part of family means that I might get a load free, but I'm not here to be a freeloader. I do like that. I'm going to say it one more time. I am going to say it one more time because I've said it in every service and I'm not going to be saying it again for a while. So I'm just going to say that one more time. Being part of family means I might get a load free, but I can't be a freeloader. Wow. Because we may be hard church, but we still have to use our heads. We want to be compassionate. But we want to be wisdom, with wisdom. We want to be gentle as doves, but we must be wise as serpents. As family, we don't have the luxury of just looking after me and mine. Here is not a perfect place. Heart Church is a place where, sure, you're going to have opportunities to be upset, but you're also going to have opportunities to forgive. You're also going to have opportunities to think the best. And you're going to have opportunities to keep no record of wrongs. It's not a perfect place. It's a, a place of hope and healing. It's a place of unity and not uniformity. Because all of me loves all of you. Loves your curves and all your edges. All your perfect imperfections it's a gospel according to John legend my thanks to those people who have heard that joke for the fourth time and they are still laughing that's heart church right here that is support I love you guys I love you guys
Heart Church, we love God, we love each other, and we love the world. We must love the world because for God so loved the world. And motivated by our love for God, we engage with the world. Jesus said this, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, to take heart means to have confidence and courage revived. See, I, I, I just, I'm just naive enough to believe that we as Heart Church, God is getting us to a place where we're going to take heart, where we're going to have our confidence and our courage revived. And we're just going to simply believe that God will do what He promised He would do. We're going to rediscover our confidence and our courage and know that the one who lives in us, the one who walks with us, the one who can change the world is going to change the world through us. I, I just believe that we're going to raise the kind of people who say, I, I don't want to live an ordinary life. I don't want to, I don't want to just blend with the crowd. There's, there's something in me, there's something on me that says, I want to live for my Jesus. I want to, I want to give everything. I don't know. I, I, I got a city inside of me. I, I, I know you're looking for someone to go to Carlisle. Maybe I could go to Carlisle. I know, I know you're looking for someone to go to Stoke-on-Trent. Maybe I can carry something of Jesus into Stoke-on-Trent. Maybe I could carry something to Bullwell. Maybe I can sa- carry something to Bestwood. Maybe there's something in me that can bring a difference to that community. Heart Church pumping life into communities, actively seeking out opportunities to bring heaven to earth, never underestimating the power of a random act of kindness. You see, I know, I know we look for the big thing, we look for the big deal, we look for the big platform, we look for the big moment. And I know that God uses those moments, but you know what I believe? I believe the way you take a city, the way you take a community, the way you take a family isn't with the big moments. In fact, the only way you truly get the big moments is because you've taken care of the little moments. And that maybe the way we take a city is one random act of kindness at a time. One moment of showing the love and heart of Jesus at a time. That is the kind of church that we are building. And it's that kind of church that I believe God will use to bring honor and glory to His own name. I wonder if you'll pray with me as we come to a close.